just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It is Saturday. We're into the weekend. Man, we've had a busy week. And yesterday, that was pretty busy too. A lot of stuff happening. A lot of stuff that we'll be talking about on this particular episode. Now, I told you yesterday that I was excited because I was going to babysit along with my wife, my grandkids. Now, it turns out my grandson was not there. He was off for the weekend with his father, which is cool. I'm sure he's having a good time. Uh, so we all we did is watch our little two-and-a-half-year-old granddaughter. And I've told you before, she is a spitfire. She's moving constantly. She's talking a lot. Uh, she's bold as hell, and I couldn't love this kid more. She is incredible. Uh, we, we watched uh, Frozen. We read books. We sang Christmas songs. It was everything you could hope for with a two-and-a-half-year-old kid. Now, we did get an opportunity to teach her some things. I mean, she's young. She needs to learn things as she grows up. And my wife and she were sitting at the kitchen table, and uh, my granddaughter had pulled out these snacks. They're kind of, you know, pretzels and crackers, just a mixture of things. And they had these little round pretzels. So my wife's kind of joking around with her and stuff. She bites a little piece out of the round pretzel and puts it in her nose as if it's a ring in her nose. Well, this made that little girl laugh. She thought it was hilarious. She was laughing, and she yelled over to me, Grandpa, look at Grandma. <laughs> and I laughed a little bit, too. But after it was all said and done and we went on to something else, uh, the little girl went to bed. Uh, my wife looked at me, and she said, you know we're going to get in trouble for that. She's going to do it with her parents and find out that we taught her it. I said, you know, let's just tell them. I mean, there are worse things the kid can learn. I mean, I've heard my son inadvertently swear and then have her repeat the word, which we quickly correct. But this ain't nothing compared to that. We're cool. Don't worry. So we told them when they got home, and it's no problem. I guess we'll see if we ever get to babysit again. No, I'm kidding. I'm sure we're fine. But we had a great time. Anytime I can spend... Uh, any amount of time with my grandkids, it's going to be fun. And it was fun. All right, let's start things out with some emails. First one coming from Gordon. Um, it says, good morning, Mike. Just listened to your podcast today, Friday. Anyway, I sent you an email earlier about the Mormon church getting behind a bill to basically codify the Marriage Act. I thought by sending this article, it may help you in your research into the questions I had about the bill. Enjoy your time with the G kids today, grandkids. I'm 68, and I'm very blessed and fortunate to have 12 grandkids, and every single one of them are effing fantastic, and I know you know that. My G kids go from 23 to 5, and the younger ones are a blast. Yes, they are a blast. Quick story and see if you can relate. When my first grandchild was born, my son married young and was living with us. 
This was a great blessing and never a burden in any way after holding his baby in my arms countless times and the kids falling asleep on my chest. I had so much love for this child. One day I said to my son, you know, his name, I don't remember loving you this much. <laughs> now, of course, that isn't true, but I but the love I was feeling for my grandson was like nothing I experienced. Just thought I'd throw that out. You don't need to share this if you feel like it's not relevant. I uh, just wanted to share that article with you. First of all, Gordon, I'll read the articles. I'm interested to find out what's behind this. It's not. I'm sure it's not quite what it seems. The Mormon Church, um, they don't do things normally for what little I know. But I will read the articles and hopefully be able to come up with some idea of what's going on there. And it's funny you should mention that that story about your grandson and your son. I was telling my wife, and I've told other people, you know, I <laughs> I think I like my grandkids better than I like my own kids. Now, in retrospect, that's probably not true, but there is a different kind of sense with grandkids. You're there, you're connected, you're related, but you're also at a distance because you're not with them 24-7. Now, I will tell you this, my granddaughter, I love spending every minute I can with her. But the way she moves, the way she talks, the things she's doing, I would be tired if I had to do this 24-7. That's a lot of work and more work than a 62-year-old man should be doing, or at least this 62-year-old man is willing to do it. I'm all for the fun and buying stuff and taking her places. I will do that all day. But the work is really from uh, morning to night to morning again. That's a fucking job. I already did that job years ago with my sons. I just want to have fun with my grandchild. But I can relate to it completely because I feel the same way. All right. <clears throat> the second email, the last email. This comes from Mike. He says, dude, Merrick Garland wasn't moving fast enough. Well, let's test that theory at our earliest chance. And then he writes F-A-A-F-O. Honestly, Mike, I don't know what that means. I'm a little too old for that, but maybe you can let me know. Enter Jack Smith, motherfucking prosecutor from The Hague. Check out the big balls on our attorney general. The stents at Merilardo is, is bigly tonight. Don needs a diaper change. Love the podcast, Mike. <clears throat> and that leads us right in. Thank you, Mike. And that leads us right into the first story, the big story of yesterday. And people have had mixed emotions about this story. I needed to listen to uh, Merrick Garland, his speech. I needed to look into it to really get a good perception of this. What we know is Attorney General Merrick Garland named a special counsel on Friday to oversee the Justice Department's investigation into the presence of classified documents at former President Donald Trump's Florida state, as well as key aspects of a separate probe involving the January 6th insurrection and efforts to undo the 2020 election. Now, the move being announced just three days after Trump formally launched his 2024 candidacy is a recognition of the really unmistakable political implications of two investigations that involve not only a former president, but also a current White House hopeful. 
Garland said Friday that Trump's announcement of his presidential candidate candidacy and President Joe Biden's likely 2024 run were factors in his decision to appoint a special counsel. Garland said the appointment would allow prosecutors to continue their work undisputably guided only by the facts and the law, though the appointment installs a new supervisor atop the probes, both of which are expected to accelerate now that the midterm elections are over. The special counsel will still report to Garland, who has ultimately the say of whether to bring charges. Now, when this was announced, a lot of people were upset about it. You know, a lot of people are saying, Merrick, just just fucking indict this motherfucker. Why are you wasting time? Merrick Garland has always said that when he's doing these investigations and considers indictments, it will have nothing to do with politics. Well, this clearly does have everything to do with politics. He said that he decided to bring in the special counsel because of these extraordinary conditions, that being uh, that... um, Donald Trump is a former president and a future candidate. And I thought, oh, wow, you're just being a chicken here, or you're trying to delay it, or you're trying not to make a decision. That was my first take on it. That's um, that's how I understood it. But as I listened to Merrick Garland more, I kind of understood the strategy he's working here. And we have to understand that it's real easy to look at cut and dried things. Let's just indict the guy and go. But these are kind of an extraordinary circumstances. A former president, a presidential candidate. This has never happened in this country before. This is unprecedented. And they're trying to go into this as carefully as possible. I get it. And I also get the fact that people are still anxious to get this done. But Merrick Garland does have a 100% conviction rate, so I have a feeling he knows what he's doing. But why bring in this guy? Why bring in this guy? And I think it had a lot to do with Donald Trump announcing he was going to be president, a presidential candidate. Now, being a presidential candidate doesn't get him a get-out-of-jail-free card. It doesn't do that. It really doesn't do anything. But I think Merrick Garland is looking at a different level here. He knows it's not going to stop the indictment. But what he's trying to do is take some power away from Donald Trump. As soon as the indictments come out, he's going to be screaming and upset that this is politically motivated. And, and while it's not... He kind of has some room to say that, given it happened after he announced for president. Now, that doesn't mean you can say, I'm going to be president. Now you can't indict me for anything. That's bullshit. Everybody knows that. But I think that Merrick Garland wanted to keep that out of the narrative, make it as clean as possible. And I think that's what he's doing. The thing is, if you're going to bring a special counsel in on this, that suggests you're definitely going to indict somebody. You don't bring in a special counsel if you're going to shove it to the side and not do anything. But if Merrick Garland indicts Donald Trump, it's going to be perceived by some, even if it's a small faction of people, as political. Because Merrick Garland was hired by Joe Biden. We've got the election in 2024. So he wants to take that argument away from Donald Trump. And what he's doing here essentially does that.
it seems like an extra step uh, that just adds time to it. Now, what Mayor Garland did say, because I think he's sensitive to the idea that people are going to say, well, you just extended it for another two years and then you're going to get to 2024. So you can't do anything now because the election is imminent. But that's not what's happening here. Mayor Garland said it wouldn't uh, lengthen this investigation that much. What they're doing is bringing in a guy and instead of saying, okay, start from zero, do your investigation, he's hopping on board on the current investigation, bringing himself up to speed. He'll be involved henceforth until the end of the investigation. And I think bringing this special counsel is indicative of, of we're getting to the end. Now, the guy they chose to be the special counsel makes this interesting. The role will be filled by Jack Smith, a veteran prosecutor who led the Justice Department's public integrity section in Washington and who later served as the acting chief federal prosecutor in Nashville, Tennessee, during the Obama administration. Now, more recently, he's been the chief prosecutor for the special court in The Hague that is tasked with investigation, investigating international war crimes. The Justice Department describes Smith as a registered independent, an effort to blunt any attack of perceived political bias. So you see what's happening here. Jack Smith is a good choice for this special counsel. Take some heat off of the uh, possible indictments coming out. And they can say he's absolutely bipartisan or not partisan at all. Here's a guy that did work in the country, did work for the justice system. They know he's a pretty hardcore guy. They know he's kind of the guy, that kind of a gunslinger that comes in like in Nashville and fixes problems. But for many years now, he's been overseas. He's been this prosecutor in The Hague. He's been separated from politics. He's been separated from the government. And, of course, as he said, he's a registered independent. So you can't really find anybody more partial than that. So Merrick Garland brings him in, says, here's everything. Keep going. We'll wrap this thing up so, uh, soon. Get, get, get yourself up to date. And then you will make the decision as to whether or not to indict. Now, from what I can gather about Jack Smith, he seems like a pretty intense, hardcore guy. He's all about integrity and, and, and international crimes and that sort of thing. So he's the right guy to bring in this. Uh, this is about integrity. And when it comes about international crimes, that could fall into this, too, because of what Donald Trump did with those documents. We don't know for sure what he did, but he might have passed them off to Russia Saudi Arabia, what have you. So this is an interesting pick. So when it comes down to it, this guy will decide whether or not to indict. Now, Merrick Garland will have the opportunity to sign off on it. Merrick Garland is still in charge, but this guy is going to make the decision. So he decides to indict. Merrick Garland says, cool. Then Donald Trump starts screaming, it's political. Mayor Garland's going to say, well, no, it's not. This guy's from outside the country. This guy is nonpartisan. This guy is a registered independent. So your argument is full of shit. I mean, we know 
over the past six years, that's been the only strategy Donald Trump has had. It's trying to control the narrative, talk louder and longer than anybody else, and start making claims that are false. But you repeat them enough, and a certain number of people believe them. Now, by bringing this guy in, takes the political aspect off the table because Merrick Garland isn't making the decision. I mean, you can see what Merrick Garland is doing here. It's, it's essentially a, uh, a chess game. He's looking ahead a couple, of, a couple of moves at least. But he's trying to cover every possible niche that might cause him problems. I mean, that's, we know that Merrick Garland is like that. He's meticulous. He's methodical. And it gets annoying for people like you and me who want to see this get done. But the only thing worse than not indicting Donald Trump is in indicting him and not being able to convict him. That would be devastating to this country, to the rule of law. So Merrick Garland is trying to get it right. Now, I'm as anxious as any one of you. But if I have to sit and wait to get it done, I'm cool with that. Just so I know something's being done and by... Hiring the special counsel, at first I thought it was a bad thing because it would just make the whole process longer and he was just passing the buck. But as I look at it deeper, I see what he's doing. I can imagine why he's doing it and it makes sense. So I'm feeling pretty comfortable with that. And I don't think we're too far off. I mean, the bottom line is um, they're not going to bring in the special investigator unless an indictment is imminent. And what we're also seeing in what Merrick Garland is saying, that the DOJ is laser focused on Donald Trump. There may be some other collateral damage, some other people involved, but they are directly focused on Donald Trump. That's who they're going after. That's why they're concerned that there might be some problems and they're trying to protect themselves. So it's going to be interesting. Now, a lot of people, a lot of people are going to try to compare this to the Mueller probe and how that was a disappointment and how Donald Trump slipped out of that. There is no comparison here. Absolutely no comparison. Personally, I think Mueller fucked up that that job. But no matter what Mueller did, he was never in a position where he could indict Donald Trump because he was a sitting president. There was no possibility of an indictment. So he's saying, well, he did this, but I can't indict him. And of course, that translated through Donald Trump as I'm completely exonerated, which wasn't the case. They found him guilty of a number of things, 10 cases of obstruction of justice, but they couldn't indict him because he was president. Now, that's not the case anymore. He's no longer president. He did break some laws, and indictments are certainly on the table in this situation. And I think that um, it is imminent. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing all these things. Now, there, there is another reason why I'm feeling good about this uh, hiring of the special counsel. As I say at first, I thought it was a bullshit idea, just kicking a can down the road, punting, whatever you want to call it. I thought it was a chicken shit move by Merrick Garland, but I don't anymore. 
because I took the time to look at it. There's things going on here with Merrick Garland and in the investigation that we either don't know or don't understand. It will all become clear to us at some point. But we hear very little in the media, and we don't know much. We have to trust that Merrick Garland knows what he's doing, and his track record would prove that out. But one of the big reasons I'm feeling confident about hiding or hiring this special counsel is because Donald Trump is fucking furious. He is unhinged about the hiring of this special counselor. Donald Trump unloaded Friday on Fox News over the appointment of a special counsel to investigate his activities. The former president vowed he won't partake in any investigation conducted by the special counsel and slammed the appointment as the worst worst politicization of justice in our country. He, he won't partake. Yeah, you can investigate me and indict me for uh, crimes against this country, but I'm just not going to partake. I'm not going to get involved. Sorry, Donnie, that's not how it fucking works. If you are found to be guilty of crimes, you don't get the option to partake or not partake. Donnie, this is where the control comes out of your hands, and this is where you're going to go fucking crazy because you always have to have control. Well, Merrick Garland right now is fixing to take that control away from you, put you in a corner, and kick your ass up and down the hall. And there ain't a fucking thing you can do about it. And this special counsel seems like he's a bit of a badass. And I have to wonder if Donald Trump isn't familiar with this guy, or has at least been told by some other people that are familiar with this guy, and told him this means some fucking serious trouble, dude. Otherwise, why would Donald Trump be so unhinged? Donald Trump went on to say, I've been going through this for six years, and I am not going to go through it anymore. You can't investigate me for crimes because I just won't participate. He said, I hope the Republicans have the courage to fight this. Who... uh, Trump said, and he just announced Tuesday that he's launching another bid for the presidency. So you see what he's doing here. He's he's announcing for the presidency. He's assuming all the Republicans are going to get behind his back, and they're going to fight against this special counsel and the investigation. He's basically telling them, you better get up there and fight for me. But here's what's going to happen. He's going to have a few of the Trumple fucks go out and try to push back, but they aren't a big enough group to really do anything. The other people that are stepping away from Donald Trump are going to say, you know, well, let's see what happens. They have no reason to help Donald Trump at this point. The fact of the matter is they want Donald Trump out of the picture as much as any of us do. So why not let it fly? They're certainly not going to risk their own reputations by helping Donald Trump in this situation. And once again, Donald Trump doesn't have control. So he's fucked. Now, Trump falsely uh, claimed that he has been found innocent on everything in all investigations over the last six years. The naming of the special counsel is not acceptable. Again, not your option, Donnie. 
Trump added, it's so unfair. It is so political. He vowed, I'm not going to partake in it. I'm not going to partake uh, partake in this. Trump insisted, I've never heard of such a thing. They found nothing. Now they take some guy who hates Trump. Oh, so he does know something about this guy. This is a disgrace and only happening because I'm leading in every poll in both parties. Wow. This is flailing. This is throwing anything against the wall. And he's not even clear that this stuff is untrue. He believes once it comes out of his mouth that it is fucking gospel straight from God. But he's in for a rude awakening. You know, like the Republicans in the midterms, I love nothing more than seeing somebody like this get blindsided, hit by a bus, not expecting it. And the first time an indictment gets in his tiny little hands, (laughs) he is just going to freak out. The thing is, he's not leading in every poll in both parties. It's not even believable they're allowed to do this, Trump added. This is the worst politicization of justice in our country. Wow. Now, several sources have said a key driver in Trump's announcement that he is running for the GOP presidential nomination is to dodge these federal indictments. But he knows that since this guy's been added, this special counsel, he's not going to be able to dodge it. He can say, I don't want to participate. I'm just going to ignore it. Like, oh, maybe COVID. Well, you know how that turned out, Donnie? You you ignored COVID and a million people died and you lost an election. But see, Donnie doesn't like to do what's not comfortable for him. He's been a pampered little bitch all his life. He's been bailed out of every problem he's ever had. The unfortunate situation for Donald Trump now is he's got bigger problems than he's ever had in his life. And the people that would normally try to bail him out are walking away from him. Because in their minds, he's a loser. He's largely responsible for the way the midterms went. And they don't want anything to do with him. Oh, there'll still be the Lauren Boberts, the Paul Gozars, the Marjorie Taylor Greens that will still fight for him. But they're going to play a small minority in the Republican House of Representatives. The bigger faction, the more reasonable-minded faction is going to want to step away from Donald Trump as quickly as they can. And frankly, if they have the opportunity to help get rid of him permanently through prosecution or whatever, you know they're going to help out there. And I think Donnie knows this too. He can see his power is starting to loosen. His grip is starting to loosen. And I think this is freaking him out. And this special counsel is making him mad. You know, he's going to try lawsuits and all this stuff, but he has really no way to stop this. This is the fucking DOJ. They do what they want to do if there are crimes. Like he said, I've been proved innocent of all these things. Well, Donnie, come on. You stole top secret documents. They had to go to your home to get them back. You did, in fact, have those documents. Certainly weren't found innocent of that. Holding those documents, lying to the DOJ, and God knows what you did with those documents. That is clearly guilty. Without even going to trial, we know you are guilty. 
So the comments that you suggest that you've been found innocent of everything, well, you just pulled that out of your ass and hoped you could bully your way through and lie your way through, gaslight your way through. But unfortunately, it's not going to work. Not this time. You got a lot of leeway when you were president because you were president, but you're no longer president. You don't have power and you're losing support every day. Donnie, you need to understand this is the beginning of the end and there's nothing you can do to stop it. All your little strategies, all your little games, all your little delay tactics aren't going to work anymore. This is the end. This is the end for Donald Trump, and it's not going to end up well for Donald Trump. I can see it very clearly. I think a lot of you can see it very clearly. So if you were upset about the special counsel being hired by Merrick Garland like I was, I don't think you need to be. I think it's actually good news. Donald Trump is upset about it. Don't know why for sure, but that's good news. The fact that they're hiring a special counsel would suggest that an indictment is on the table. There'd be no reason to bring in a special counsel unless they were planning to do it. All Merrick Garland is doing now is trying to take the power out of Donald Trump's hands to say it's political. And he's doing that by giving the special counsel, who sounds like he's kind of a badass. I've seen the pictures. He looks like he's got no sense of humor. He's very serious. And he's got a big track record. So naturally, if I'm Donald Trump, I would be worried about that. I don't think it's going to cause a huge delay. I think this is something that's going to happen very soon, hopefully before the end of the year. But we'll see. It's going to happen soon. And that is going to start an avalanche of other indictments and problems for Donald Trump. Because all of what happened with January 6th and uh, the Mar-a-Lago papers, it involved a lot of other people. A lot of other people that don't have the protection or the notoriety that Donald Trump has. And they're going to go down to people like maybe Jim Jordan in the House of Representatives, who talked to Donald Trump a number of times during the January 6th insurrection, or Mark Meadows, who was the middleman for Donald Trump. On January 6th, he talked to everybody, then passed it on to Donald Trump. Ginny Thomas, all these things. Once that starts to fall, they're all going to go down, and it's going to create an upheaval in Washington, D.C. If a president gets indicted, a chief of staff gets indicted, the wife of a Supreme Court justice gets indicted, Uh, if sitting members of Congress get indicted, we are going to see a shit show like we've never seen before. This has never happened in history. And I think that Merrick Garland is setting it up, trying to tee this thing up so when he hits it, he hits it straight and in fair territory. And there is no complaints or excuses about it. And if there are, they're going to be unwarranted because he can prove otherwise. So this is going to be interesting. Um, At first, I wasn't excited about the special counsel, but now I kind of see what's going on. And I think it's very positive and it's very troublesome for Donald Trump. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Well, one way you can tell the end is near for Donald Trump is when his own party, the Republicans, start going after him, when the Republicans start eating their own. 
Now, Republicans considering a run for the White House are courting anxious donors and activists in Las Vegas this weekend. As the GOP's early 2024 class warns that former President Donald Trump is a loser and encourages the party to embrace new leadership. They're seeing uh, the most vulnerable animal in the herd, and they're looking to call them out, and that happens to be Trump. Trump will be one of the few Republican prospects not in attendance for the Republican Jewish Coalition's annual leadership meeting, which organizers suggest marks the unofficial beginning of the 2024 presidential primary campaign season. Trump will speak, but he's just going to be there by video conference, while some of his rivals, which include Ron DeSantis, Mike Pence, they will deliver keynote addresses in person. Now, this uh, get-together began Friday. It comes just days after Trump announcing he's candidate. His allies initially hoped his early announcement might ward off serious primary challenges, but that's not too likely after what we're seeing out there. Loyalist, uh, uh, loyalists lost midterm con- contests last week in battleground states from Arizona to Pennsylvania, so that did not wear well on Donald Trump. His endorsees did not do well. So this is an easy, easy way to say, well, look, it's not working with Donald Trump. Maybe we should try somebody else. And Mike Pence or Ted Cruz or DeSantis is going to say, well, I can pick up the slack His political standing within the GOP already weakening, plummeted further after the midterms. Governor Larry Hogan of Maryland said, maybe there's a little blood in the water and the sharks are circling. Yeah, it sure sounds like it. Larry Hogan is a Republican presidential prospect himself who has long been a Trump critic. He's been one of these never Trumpers, who is a Republican. Now, last week's midterm results, Hogan said, have given more Republican leaders the confidence to voice similar concerns. I don't think we've gotten to this point before. Trump is also facing new legal jeopardy. Yeah, he's got all kinds of investigation, potential indictments. Donald Trump is not a strong candidate for president. Um And we all know this. You and I know this as Democrats and independents, but even the Republican Party is seeing this. That's why it was so silly that Donald Trump even announced that he's running for president. You know, I think he had this all set up. He saw the red wave coming, and then he would come up and speak as the conquering hero, take all the credit, and then he would proceed on to be the candidate for the Republican Party in 2024. Well, when there was no red wave and the Republicans were embarrassed, Donald Trump should have had enough self-awareness to say, you know, this is probably not the best time. But that's not Donald Trump. Donald Trump thinks he can pull anything out of the flames and make it great because he's Donald Trump and he's a master order. Well, it didn't work. Who knew? (laughs) All he did was look bad, and he looks weak. And if you're not winning for the Republican Party, you don't matter anymore. You remember, I've talked about this before. Prior to the elections, I said, look, here's what's going to happen to Donald Trump. 
He is their Lord and Savior. But the moment he becomes a liability as opposed to an asset, they'll kick that fucker to the curb immediately. And that's pretty much what happened. He failed in the midterms with his endorsees. And now a large part of the Republican Party is saying, you know, maybe we better go another route. Now, there are still the base folks that will stand by Donald Trump no matter what. They, too, are losers and are accustomed to losing. So standing by Donald Trump is second nature to them. But it's not going to be enough people to make Donald Trump um, the nominee for the Republican Party. It's just not going to happen. As I've said many times before, Donald Trump will not run for president in 2024. He's either going to be knocked out for legal reasons. He won't be able to qualify to run for office. His health will take a shit. That's two years from now. He'll be 78 years old, and he's not the healthiest guy in the world in the first place. Or the Republican Party is just not going to embrace him. And this is a perfect example of how that is the case. They're already throwing him under the bus. They're already trying to kick him to the curb. And it's not going to get better over the next two years. you got to remember, we've got all these investigations. We've got potential indictments. If he isn't precluded by law from running in 2024, um, all the negative information coming out is not going to wear well. And the Republicans are going to realize, you know, we need to step back. We need to step out of this because it's just not a winning combination for us anymore. So that's... That's what you can expect, and we're already seeing it. Now, there's one guy I feel a little bit of a kinship with, Michael Moore. I brought this up before because Michael Moore was the only person I heard that kind of agreed with me that there would not be a red wave. Now, Michael Moore is a liberal filmmaker. Uh, he and I are from different worlds. We have different perspectives on things. But what I do like about Michael Moore, he does, he tries to do the same thing I do and look at the facts as opposed to emotions and what the rhetoric is. The rhetoric is bullshit ultimately. It's just people trying to fool other people and trying to fool themselves. But if you look at the facts, it tells you the whole story. Now, Michael Moore is a middle-aged guy losing his hair with a loud mouth. So in that respect, he and I are identical twins. But of course, he's vastly more successful and more talented than I. But I do have a kinship to him because he and I were kind of on the same path prior to the midterms. Now, on Friday, writing for his blog, Michael Moore, one of the few analysts to predict Republicans would not have a blowout win in 2022, forecast that the GOP is imploding, and that's what it would look like, and that their new razor-thin majority in the House is simply a consolation prize for losing the bigger fight for America. He says, how rare is it when the so-called winners, barely of the House of Representatives, are actually considered a bunch of losers? Think Houston Astros 2017 won the World Series, but forever known as a bunch of cheaters. That's where the Republicans are today. And he's got a point. They're a very tainted group. 
all the people that want to step aside and step back from Donald Trump will continue to have the stink of Donald Trump on them, even if they're successful in separating, starting a new approach, remake their party, they're still going to have that connection to Donald Trump. Now, they were hailed just weeks ago as new conquerors on their way to victory. Republicans will take control of the Senate with four new seats. Republicans will win the House by 50 seats. Biden is over. Crime, inflation, Trump in 2024. That's what Moore wrote. And then he goes on to say, whoops, they couldn't defeat a single sitting Democrat in the United States Senate. In fact, the Democrats took one of theirs, something that rarely happens in a first midterm. Americans Americans at the poll last week resoundingly rejected Trump-backed candidates and chose to vote for democracy and abortion rights over the cost of a gallon of gas. And this is true. They didn't give enough credit to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. They thought women got over it. Well, that's not the case. That didn't happen. The new House majority, Moore wrote, is anemic and weak. And there are several reasons why Republicans may not hold it for very long. Republicans who barely won in a blue district can read the writing on the wall. If they want to stay in Congress in order to win, they are going to have to switch parties. If just one or two do that, it could make all the difference uh, in the Democrats being back in charge. Now, I hadn't thought about this. I know they're trying to remake themselves, but maybe they understand it's going to take five, ten years to do that. So maybe they switch parties. I never considered that. That's a good point. I don't know how realistic that is, but it's a possibility. If you're attached to a party that has no chance of winning for the next 10 years, what do you do? You fucking switch parties. And you can justify it by saying, you know, I'm not all about these conspiracy theories and stuff. I'm tired of this. I just want to govern. So I'll go with the Democrats. Now, furthermore, the majority is slim enough that they could be vulnerable if any vacancies or special elections occur. By winning the House, the Republicans may have won the battle, but they've lost the war. They know this. You see it in their reactions over the past few days. Their party is imploding. It's time for a few sane and moderate Republicans to jump ship and either become Democrats or declare themselves as independents and caucus with the Democrats, concluded Moore. Or just head out the door saying, you're going out for a pack of smokes and never coming back. He's got a good point. I mean, when you're looking at politicians, they're only interested in a few things, a couple of things, money and votes. And if sticking with the Republican Party is not going to get you either, what do you do? I mean, you still have to keep the lights on. You still have to pay, uh, feed the kids. So what do you do? There's two options, Democrats, Republicans. Independents, yes, <clears throat> but that doesn't... That doesn't give you much support, so they might have to go that way. You know, there's the other aspect of it, too. There is those sitting members of Congress that could get expelled from Congress for their part in the insurrection. And in those cases, we would have special elections. Now, conceivably, another Republican could win, but the crazies would be gone. But it's also possible that a Democrat could win, so that could change the scheme of things. Remember, 
we're looking at like a three-seat margin for the Republicans. Somebody dies, somebody gets indicted, something else happens, somebody jumps ship. That majority can go to the left very quickly, very quickly. It's, 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 it's fine if they think they got a big win here, but they didn't. As I've told you before, this doesn't afford them much power. And then when you couple in the fact that they are a split party, I don't know how they're going to get anything done, let alone elect a Speaker of the House. That's where a lot of trouble lies. Kevin McCarthy thinks it's his to be taken. But uh, Andy Biggs said in a tweet that there's no way he's voting for Kevin McCarthy. And he's lobbying to get a lot of other Republicans not to vote for Kevin McCarthy. And frankly, all the Trumplicans probably won't vote his way. Uh, but, but some of the people that are trying to step away from uh, Donald Trump are now going to look at somebody like Kevin McCarthy as a sycophant to Donald Trump. And they will want to separate themselves so it's going to be a real interesting situation. Come January, they're going to be all excited about their power. However, the question is, will they have any power at all? And I don't believe they will. Now, of course, everything with Donald Trump is changing quickly, and this is driving him nuts. Donald Trump is receiving different coverage from the conservative media than he did just a few weeks ago. Now, after the midterms, uh, a lot of people are wondering if Trump is losing his touch. Well, Rupert Murdoch certainly appears to be finished with the former president, and that's substantial. He owns Fox News. He owns the New York Post. He owns the Wall Street Journal. He wields a lot of power in the media. Now, the New York Post, a paper within Australia's, Australia's massive business empire, recently mocked Trump's campaign announcement. And how Fox covers Trump remains to be seen. But on Friday, the network's legal expert, Jonathan Turley, blamed Trump for the recent appointment of the special counsel to look into Trump's misdeeds. Turley told viewers, this was a self-inflicted wound. And it could potentially and it could be potentially charged. And so I think that's where most of us will be looking in the terms of the special counsel. But Garland may give us a better idea of the scope of the investigation. Now, we know what the fucking investigation is, for Christ's sake. The legal expert also added, I would note one more thing. John Roberts, and that is you wouldn't have appointed a special counsel unless they felt that there was a there there. I mean, Garland clearly believes that there's a potential for criminal charges. That's why most of us are looking at Mar-a-Lago as the focus here. That is not good news for Donald Trump or the Trump team. One of Trump's best ways to connect with female voters is through his daughter Ivanka. While she is unlike the vast majority of female supporters, she still helped to humanize the former president. Now, of course, Trump really wanted to have his daughter at his announcement and be part of his campaign for the 2020 Republican presidential nomination. <laughs> but Ivanka said, yeah, I'm not interested in that. 
I don't like you like that, Daddy. (laughs) That's got to be crushing for Donnie. One of the reasons, according to the New York Post, is that working with her father cost her friends. Imagine that. You got some liberal friends that you've known all your life. And now they say, yeah, we don't want to talk to you. You've got that Trump stink on you. And uh, it's going to be a problem for her. A source told the newspaper Ivanka hated all the criticism and the threats and was unhappy about how a lot of their friends turned their back on them. Oh, yeah, that's just started, Ivanka. And you might even be in some legal problems. So this could get way worse. The source continued, she feels it's bad for her family and a negative in general in her circle of friends. She wants as normal a life as she can arrange for her and her family. She's unhappy about becoming a political target. Well, Ivanka, here's the thing. When you've been part and parcel to trying to overthrow our government and uh, misusing funds and stealing money, people are going to look unkindly toward that. And by stepping aside and separating yourself from your father, that isn't going to insulate you. You're going to have problems for a long time to come. As I've said, the stink will be on you for a long time. What you helped to do during the Trump administration was devastating to this country, was damaging to this country, was was potentially destroying this country. So if you think people are going to get over that and forget about it and be your friend again, well, you're sadly mistaken, Miss Ivanka. It's not going to happen that way. You've become a pariah in your own inner circle. And frankly, that's where you belong. That's where you should be. You were just as guilty about a lot of things that happened. You were there supporting your father when he was talking about white supremacy, anti-Semitism, misogyny, when he was trying to overthrow the country, when he was trying to overturn elections. You were standing right by his side. So you aren't going to get a pass on this. Even if you don't get indicted for whatever reason, and there's a number of them you could be indicted, but even if you don't get indicted, Your life has changed forever because people who know what you were involved in and how you were connected to your father will never look on you kindly again. Now, former Attorney General William Barr was talked to recently, and he said the Department of Justice seems to have the basis for legitimately indicting his ex-boss, former President Donald Trump. It's interesting he would say that because when Bill Barr was the attorney general, he kept supporting Donald Trump. He kept telling us, oh, Donald Trump didn't do anything. Oh, he can do that. But now he's changing his tune. It's a lot like Ivanka Trump. I don't know what the specifics would be, but I have to think that Bill Barr is um, risking getting indicted himself. He did a lot of fucked up things with the Mueller Mueller report and uh, anything else Donald Trump was in. He was there to protect Donald Trump and keep him from getting in trouble, even though he should have gotten in trouble. So Bill Barr is an innocent here. Now, on Friday, Attorney General Merrick Garland announced the DOJ is handing over its investigation into Trump to the special counsel. We talked about that. 
Garland said the move is in the public interest after Trump declared his candidacy. The DOJ has been probing Trump's role in the Capitol insurrection and also the handling of official documents upon leaving office. Some of those materials are reportedly classified. And Trump was supposed to give all of them, all of the government documents to the National Archives, but of course he didn't. Fact is, we think that he still may have more of them. Now, appearing on Friday's firing line on PBS, Barr stated that from the outside, the DOJ appears to have what it needs to indict Trump over the documents. Now, host Margaret Hoover asked, in your view, is there ever a circumstance where you think it's appropriate to indict a former president? Here is Barr's reply in subsequent exchange with Hoover. This is how it went. Barr said, oh, yes, if a former president commits a crime, you know, especially a serious crime, they should be indicted for it. If the Department of Justice can show that these were indeed very sensitive documents, which I think they probably were, and also show that the president consciously was involved in misleading the department, deceiving the government, and playing games after he'd received the subpoena for the documents, those are serious charges. That's serious. Hoover says, that's a serious crime? Serious enough of a crime? Barr said, well, I've said that I personally think that they probably have the basis for legitimately indicting the former president. I don't know. I'm speculating. But given what's gone on, I think they probably have the evidence that would check the box. They have the case. Hoover then says, and if they have it, should they? Barr said, well, that's a decision for... And then Hoover interrupts and says, well, if you were AG, would you? And Barr says, I'm not going to get into that. Of course you're not. You're a fucking sycophant to Donald Trump. You're guilty in your own right. You're not going to set yourself up to be indicted. Hoover says, do you think they will? Barr says, I think it's becoming increasingly more likely. And then Hoover said, and you think it would be appropriate if they did? Barr went on to say, well, this is the attorney general, what the attorney general gets paid for, these kinds of decisions. You know, the argument for doing it is that if you let someone like this who, you know, if the facts are as raw as they may be and you let someone get away with it, how can you protect these secrets? How can you insist on people in government taking this stuff seriously? So, you know, that's an important thing to weigh, as well as what it will do to the country and to the office of the presidency. And I think Merrick Garland is going to have to make that call. So, Barr thinks there's a legitimate reason to indict him, but he will not say that he would indict him. And he's not going to say that Merrick Garland should indict him. Seems all too familiar, doesn't it? Nobody can answer, just answer questions. They got to talk bullshit. They got to talk in circles because they're afraid to speak what they believe. And that's one of the big problems we have in this country, in this government. What you hear coming out of their mouths, mouths isn't necessarily the truth, isn't necessarily accurate in any way. They're going to give you the answers that you think you want to hear or the answers that will keep them safe. They're not going to commit to anything. I have a feeling, though, if Mr. Barr does get an indictment, 
he's going to be pretty forthcoming with the shit he knows at that point because he's going to want to save his ass. We'll see if that happens. Now, as we're winding down this particular Rational Boomer podcast, I want to bring up something negative regarding Joe Biden. And for the life of me, I don't understand this at all. Washington Post publisher Fred Ryan accused President Joe Biden of granting Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman a license to kill. Ryan was stirred to action after it was announced the U.S. backed immunity for bin Salman for a civil lawsuit filed over the grisly 2018 slaying of Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi. The paper's public relations department issued a statement attributed to Ryan on Friday afternoon. And that went like this. In granting legal immunity to Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, President Biden is failing to uphold America's most cherished values. He is granting a license to kill to one of the world's most egregious human rights abusers who is responsible for the cold-blooded murder of Jamal Khashoggi. While legitimate heads of government should be protected against frivolous lawsuits, the Saudis' decisions to make MBS prime minister was a cynical, calculated effort to manipulate the law and shield him from accountability. By going along with this scheme, President Biden is turning his back on a fundamental principles of press freedom and equality. The American people and those wronged by MBS in Saudi Arabia and around the world deserve better. Khashoggi, a U.S.-based critic of Saudi Arabia, was murdered in 2018 after he entered the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, Turkey. The CIA quickly connected bin Salman to the slaying with a high degree of confidence. Now, you know, it all started with Donald Trump. Donald Trump is buddies with the Saudi Arabians. In fact, this particular crown prince, for whatever reason, gave um, Jared Kushner, Trump's son-in-law, $2 billion to fucking play with. That seems weird. But Donald Trump did nothing to go after the crown prince after murdering Khashoggi. He did exactly what he did with Vladimir Putin. Well, he said he didn't do it and said it very strongly, so I believe him, which is absolute bullshit. There has been proof that that the crown prince was directly involved with this murder. It was a grisly murder. They killed him and then they cut him up. They chopped him up like a butcher would do a side of beef. But still, Donald Trump did nothing. So, of course, since there were no legal ramifications, or at least criminal ramifications, the family of Khashoggi wanted to sue the crown prince for at least some kind of monetary penalty to get something out of this. But now what Joe Biden does, he agrees that the crown prince should have immunity. Now, one of the reasons why this crown prince has immunity is because they make him a prime minister because he is now a political leader or an international leader. And they do try to protect all the higher ups in politics because you never know when there might be some frivolous lawsuits. Well, we know this isn't a frivolous lawsuit. 
But they put him in that position because I think, I'm hoping this is the case, that Biden had no choice given his current position. I don't know that that is true particularly, but that could be the only answer. You'll remember when Joe Biden became president, he spoke specifically about the crown prince and this grisly crime, and he said he was going to do something about it. Well, he has not done anything about it, and now by doing what he just did, he's letting the crown prince off free and clear, not only for criminal parts of this, but for the civil part of it and any kind of money punishment that he might have gotten. This isn't a good look for for Joe Biden. I don't know. He may not have had a choice in this, but still, he did say he was going to do something about this guy when he came in, and nothing has been done. Saudi Arabia has a chokehold on this country, and it's largely due to Donald Trump. But past presidents have been closely connected to Saudi Arabia, and they've gotten away with murder, literally murder. Remember in the 9-11 tragedy, the vast majority of the pilots that were flying the planes into buildings were Saudi Arabia, from Saudi Arabia. So why did we not go after them? Why did we not investigate them? Because they represent a lot of money to this government, and they got a pass. So now, once again, our U.S. government is giving the crown prince of Saudi Arabia, who is a vicious murderer piece of shit, gave him complete immunity to do whatever he fucking likes. And Joe, I don't know why you would have done this. It's not a good look. 